my name is Tanya Lopez. I'm a Latina mom and chef from the Bronx, New York. Hola, and I'm her son, Miguel Xavier Diaz Lopez. I'm a mechanical engineer working with NASA and studying for a PhD at Johns Hopkins University. We love to share stories about Latinos getting shit done. Welcome back to More Than Rice and Beans, a mother-son podcast about food, culture, relationships, and the Latinx community. I'm Tanya, a Spanish chef and founder of Coqui, the chef, a New York City-based culinary business that teaches virtual and in-person cooking classes, ships authentic Spanish products, and teaches the importance of cultural foods, family traditions, music, and history. And I'm her son, Miguel. I'm a PhD student in aerospace engineering at Johns Hopkins University. Our lives are pretty busy, but my mom and I always try to make time to connect over food, talk about culture, Latinx stories, swap ideas, and just catch up on life. We're so happy you're here to join us. We have a very special episode today. Miguel is going to share about his recent month-long trip to Puerto Rico. Food is always such an important part of travel and connecting with a culture. Miguel, can you tell us about your experience with food? How was it? So while I was there, I, one of the things, there's a few things that I knew that I needed. One of them is like getting the beans from my dad, which because he always makes really good beans. So like the general process. And I took that process and I kind of modified it a bit since he uses store-bought sofrito. So I used, now I'm using his process, but with my mom's sofrito recipe, which is on cookiethechef.com, by the way. And shameless promotion. <laughs> and then I also took some some random tips that I saw online to kind of um, create my own beans recipe. And so now I love my beans recipe. My beans is my beans are amazing. And the beans that I'm talking about, they're called abichuelas guisadas, which is it's like a bean stew. That's basically mm-hmm. uh, what that means. And abichuelas is is actually uh, funny because um the habichuelas in Spanish means kidney beans, like red kidney beans. But mm-hmm. in Puerto Rico, they say habichuelas for all beans. They call all of beans habichuelas, no matter if they're kidney beans or not, mm-hmm. which I find very interesting. Because if you go to any other Spanish country and you say habichuelas, they will give you kidney beans, even if that's not what you wanted. Because in Spanish, beans is actually frijoles. Yeah. Um, but nobody calls them that in Puerto Rico. But if for the bean stew, you can use red kidney beans or they also use red small beans. Actually, red small beans are more common, which makes it even more funny that they call it habichuelas guisadas and it's not even habichuelas. Yeah. But the other thing that I know we needed was mofongo, which is like mashed potatoes, but without potatoes. It's instead with a platano or plantains. And there is kind of three main ones that I've seen. The, the one that I've always seen is the one with just the unripe plantain, the platano verde. And they just make basically like they mash it and put it like into a, like a form like mashed potatoes. With But there's also bifongo, which is with platano verde and platano maduro, which is the ripened platano, the ripened plantain. So that one's sweeter. And then there's also a third kind called trifongo, which is which is yuca and platano verde and platano maduro and that one actually turned out to be my favorite i didn't i I didn't really have that very much like ever i don't think i think that was the first time i've ever had that in my life 
but you can kind of tell by the names <laughs> how that works, right? Because mofongo has the prefix oh, mo, which means one. Oh, bifongo has the prefix bi, bi, which is two. And then trifongo has the prefix tri, tri, which means three. And that's all Latin prefixes. So it makes, actually, that's a good way to remember what which one is which. Yeah. And actually, it's also a great uh, vegetarian dish too, right? Yeah, they make they make a bunch of mofongos where they put stuff in the mofongo too, like they put meats and stuff. But almost every single restaurant we went to had a vegetable mofongo, which is mm. just they had the mofongo and then a bun- like some kind of a like a roasted vegetable mix on the side. And the g- great thing about mofongo is that there was not a single restaurant that where it tasted the same. It's like every restaurant we went to, it was like a completely different dish. It tasted completely different. The texture was different. The taste was different. Everything. So Even the sauce is different too, right? Because some be- people yeah. give like a beef stew kind of uh, Well, you sauce. can't do that for a vegetarian. No, 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 of course not. And then there is the garlic olive oil mixture. Yeah. That's also It's almost like a garlic aioli. Yeah. But um, so every place makes it different and it would taste different every single time. I know um, another popular kind of dish is the pizza over there, right? But not really the actual it's not a pizza, real pizza. pizza, right? It's yeah. more like pan pizza. So you yeah, gotta tell so us there, about that. Pan pizza is the other one, which is which is something that was very um, close to my childhood because we had pan pizza a lot when we were in Puerto Rico. It's yeah. basically it's basically pizza, but you put it inside. Like if think of an Italian bread that you just toast and stuff with everything that you would put on top of a pizza, but now it's inside of Italian bread. That's mm-hmm. basically what pan pizza is. And then you toast it. And typically pan pizza is made with what's called pan de agua. Um, there's, there's two different types of, of main breads in Puerto Rico. There's pan sobao and then pan de agua. So uh, pan sobao is, is the sweet kind. It's a very sweet kind of bread. So it's like, it's kind of like Italian bread if it were sweet. The texture is different. It's fluffier than Italian bread, and the outside isn't as hard. But that's the that's the like the overall idea. And then pan de agua is a little bit uh, harder, and the, they call it pan de agua because they it's kind it's almost similar to how you make bagels where you boil the dough and then bake it after. Pan de agua is is where you take the just the raw loaf of bread, and then you have so just water evaporate under it to cook it a bit. So it's almost like boiling. It's similar. Um, and pan de agua is the one that's usually used for pan pizza. So it's not the pan sobao is used for like sandwiches and stuff where you want that kind of sweetness to add some contrast. All right, Miguel. So you told us a little bit about the food. What about drinks? Was there any popular drinks that you liked over there? Or maybe um, unpopular? There wasn't any like crazy drinks, I would say. I mean, the the one thing is that there are a few places. Well, I, there's two places in San Juan that claim to be the uh, the creators of piña colada. So if you like piña colada, Puerto Rico is a great place because that's where it was made. There's two main places that make it. It's El Caribe. They're one of the places that, that say that they created it. But then there's also their rival, Barrachina, that also claimed that they made it. So there's really no way of proving which one <laughs> was yeah. the one that made it. Um, yeah. But but personally, I actually preferred Barrachinas, not El Caribe's. El Caribe thought, Hilton? 
Yeah, El Caribe, I thought was too, I think they put too much alcohol compared to everything else. It was still good. It was still very good. But Barrachinas, I felt like the flavor was much better. Okay. They didn't try and mask their flavor with alcohol. <laughs> there was another drink that you said you had that you kind of like wish more tourists oh, knew about Oh, I thought you were it. talking about alcohol. Well, no. I mean, the the other alcoholic drink is that I, I had a few times was mojito. They ha- they have a lot of different types of mojito, but that's not that's not Puerto Rican. Mojito is not really like a Puerto Rican drink, but they they had a lot of different types there, which was really good. They kind of did their own twist on it. But then uh, a non-alcoholic drink, I guess it's still technically alcoholic, but very little, is Mavi. That's M-A-V-I. And that's uh, it's basically like Puerto Rican root beer. It's it's created from the bark of the Mavi tree. And it actually, ex- it's not just a Puerto Rican drink. It's a it's a Caribbean drink. Every every single island on the Caribbean has their own version of Mavi. Um, and just every place spells it different. So in Jamaica, which is probably the spelling that you will see a lot if you look it up online, it's spelled M-A-U-B-I. But it's still pronounced the same way. It's still Mavi. Right, but- and a lot of... Tourists don't know about the drink. And... Yeah, because I, it seems like they Puerto Ricans don't like, don't want tourists to know about the drink. It seems uh-huh. like. because the there's no advertisements or anything for it. But if you go to any piragua stand, which is like the stands where they have the shaved ice with like some kind of a fruit syrup over it, almost all of them are gonna have mavi too. But they won't tell you. You mm-hmm. have to ask them for it, right. and then you ask them for it, and then they will just like. Be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I have Mavi. And then take you into some weird corner with some random fridge. And then they just pull out the Mavi from the fridge. <laughs> so they, it seems like they like to keep it very secretive. I went to Puerto Rico for vacation with a friend. And we went to, oh, my God, Luquillo. Luquillo Beach, where they had this little kioscos, like these little houses where they would sell souvenirs, Mavi, piña colada, you name it, pan pastelillos, all this other stuff. Limbe, yeah. And when we were in the souvenir store, the guy uh, in the store comes up to us. He's like, very secretly, hey, you want some Mavi? And I got so excited. I was like, yeah, yeah. And then my friend was like, what is that? He looks, it looks, it sounds illegal (laughs) because he said it so quietly. And then he goes and he goes behind the store and gets the Mavi. He was like, I don't know if I should drink this. I was like, it's fine. It's a, it's a Puerto Rican drink. Not a lot of people ask for it, but he told us because I guess he recognized that I'm Puerto Rican. So that's why. So, um, but you can find Mavi in Viejo San Juan, in little plazas in Viejo San Juan. You can, um, they'll have like little tiny trucks, just like Miguel said, maybe next to a piragua stand or something like that. And just don't be afraid to ask for it because it actually tastes really, really good. It's very similar to kombucha. Am I saying correctly? Well, it's similar to kombucha, not in flavor, but in Mm -hmm. how it's made. Right. Because it's a fermented drink. Yeah. It's fermented naturally. So the, there is a small amount of alcohol, but it's like 0.2%. So it's not going to do anything to you. You're, you can't, it's impossible to get drunk from it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, your body will digest it faster than you can drink it. So <laughs> you're never going to get drunk on it. But this, the process is similar where it's a naturally fermented drink. And it's just from like from the sugars in the drink that it collects the yeast from the air, which naturally ferments in the sun. And it's ba- it's based off of a, the tree, which is why uh, it's like similar to 
to like root beer or kombucha and stuff like that. But it's way, way better. It tastes like maple syrup. It's like a, a fermented maple syrup drink. Another thing with Mavi is that everyone does it differently. So you're going to get different flavors from, for example, the, the one that I tasted in Luquillo tastes very different from the one that I tasted in uh, Viejo San Juan. And I I sort of selected which one I, you know, like with that, I'm able to compare and select which one I want, which one I like. But if you do have Mavi in a Viejo San Juan, you didn't like it too much, don't give up on it. Just try it again somewhere else. Because like I said, everybody makes it a little bit different. It's very much like a coquito. Coquito is a traditional recipe. And people do it, everyone, like generations do it differently. So it's always good to taste different types of coquito from other places. So coquito is actually uh, is similar to the American eggnog, but a whole lot better. <laughs> All of the drinks of Puerto Rico are better than their... American counterparts. Anything you did on this trip that you ne- had never done before? I mean, there's a ton. I mean, I never, I, for one, I didn't have Mavi before because for some reason my mom never told me that this drink existed. Uh, so I didn't have Mavi. <laughs> I'm so Mavi sorry. Before. I'm sorry. <laughs> I also, like, between, I think, two days, we had basically driven across the entire coast of Puerto Rico, the entire, the entirety of the coast. I've never done that before. And it's kind of crazy that you can drive along the entire coast of Puerto Rico in less than two days. That that goes to show how small the island is. And then I guess the the other thing that I did was snorkeling. I've never done I've never done that in general before. And then also we we went to Vieques, which is one of the islands off of Puerto Rico. So if, uh, if my mom can give you some brief history on the, on this island. Yeah, Vieques is a very small offshore island of Puerto Rico. It was inhabited by indigenous people from South America 1,500 years before Christopher Columbus arrived in 1493. Spaniards took control of the island and enslaved locals. In 1811, the governor of Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, sent military to Vieques and took over the island. The island was prosperous for the locals until the 1940s, when the U.S. military purchased 60% of the island. Many locals were forced to, do, to leave due to lack of employment, and the U.S. used Vieques as a testing ground for military weapons for six decades. This led to the death of a local man called Davis Sanes in 1999. U.S. military left the island in 2003. Since then, it has operated as a quieter tourist destination. And, and in Vieques, you'll see lots of roaming horses, right, Miguel? Yeah, so the, the horses, because of the, that history, the obviously horses did not exist in, in Puerto Rico. They don't exist in anywhere in, the, in North or South America. Because horses came from Europe, they weren't—they're not indigenous to the Americas. So, but when the Spanish came and took over Vieques, they brought Spanish horses with them. And because Vieques is an isolated island, uh, it doesn't really have that much. It, it, there's really no way to get to the mainland unless it's a boat or plane. These horses that that roam Vieques 
are descendants of the same Spanish horses. So these are purebred Spanish horses. They did not mix with other horses. These are all purebred Spanish stallions that are all just Beautiful. roaming freely in, in Vieques. And they're everywhere because it's usually just like people who who had owned them and then just can't take care of them. And so they just let them free. Some people do own them, but they just like to let them go free anyway. You just roam around and then they come back like, like I guess, like a cat. <laughs> um and and but then also there are just horses in Vieques that have just been born in in the wild. They've never been owned by anyone. And that's just because those horses have existed since the Spanish time. So all of them are purebred Spanish horses. So they're really pretty, even though even the ones that are complete like strays. And so in Vieques, instead of having cats or dogs in in Puerto Rico mainland, they have a lot of stray dogs in the city. They have a lot of stray cats and in most cities, they're stray cats. But in Vieques, you have stray horses and it's kind of dangerous because you need to be careful when you're driving that you don't just like turn a corner and oh shit, there's a horse there. And now you have to figure out what to do with that. There's also horse poop everywhere that you have to dodge. And then also when you're just walking around, you have to be careful from the wild uh, horses because they can be kind of aggressive sometimes. Um, so that's always really interesting. And in terms of the the United States military, you can still see the the influence that they left behind. Uh, years ago, they were trying to build a bridge from Vieques to the Puerto Rican mainland. And so there's, if you go to Vieques now, you can see the bridge that they were trying to build. They got pretty far, but they, but I mean, obviously the mainland is very, very far from Vieques. So yeah, it would have taken them a lot longer and a lot more money to finish it. And they were planning on finishing it, but since they left, they had no reason to finish it. Um, but if you go there, the bridge is already, it, it's, it goes pretty far away from the island wow. right, as, as it is right now. Well, I got to check that out. I want to talk a little bit about the Mosquito Bay, which was recognized in 2006 by the Guinness World Records as the brightest bioluminescent bay in the world. You went there, right? How was it? Is it really true? Is it like yeah, that so if, beautiful? I mean, so the, the best place to do the best way to do it is to go and clear kayaks. Um, they have kayaking tours. They, and the what happens is that whenever these tiny organisms are bothered or disturbed by anything at all, they glow. The level of the glow, the brightness of the glow, depends on how much they're disturbed. So it depends on the turbulence of the flow, actually. So you can just put your hand in the water and your hand will start glowing. Now, now you might think, oh, that would be really cool to swim in it. But you're not allowed to swim in these uh, bioluminescent bays because... A lot of the chemicals that we have in our sunscreen and stuff like that will actually kill these organisms. They do let you put your hand in it and stuff like that, but you can't swim in it. So you go in kayaks and you take a kayaking tour and you want it to be a clear kayak because you want to be able to see under your kayak. Because while you're moving with the kayak, you're disturbing the flow underneath you. So underneath the kayak is going to glow and it actually ends up looking like, think of the the most beautiful night sky that you've ever seen that's what you will see underneath you because all of while the kayak is moving it's actually going to look like a bunch of shooting stars are going past you under the kayak 
And wow. then when you put your hand in the water, your hand glows. If you put your hand in the water and then lift it up so that the water uh, drains down your arm, it will look like like tiny stars are going down on your arm. And then also the other thing is that um, there's also, of course, sea creatures in these bays. It's really easy at night to see like fish and stuff in the lake because they also glow while they're swimming. And so one of the things that we saw while we were there was actually a, a gigantic stingray. It was like humongous. And yeah. the, the guy doing the tour said that he's never even seen that before. But there was a huge stingray and you can see it because you could see it super easily because it glowed the entire time it was swimming and it swam under us. That is cool. I have not done that. Can you believe it? Like I lived there yeah. several uh, several years and I went back many summers and I've never been there. And, and also, that's also something it's it's one of those things where it's impossible to take a picture of. You can't take a picture of anything oh. because it's so dark. It's a, your camera will never be able to pick it up. But that's why it's it's a really good thing to go and just experience it without having to take pictures. These tiny organisms grew more after Hurricane Maria, right? There, there's more, there's of, more them. of them now. They yeah. don't know. They don't understand why, but there's a lot more than there used to be before Hurricane Maria, which is part of the reason why. So it was already one of the brightest bioluminescent bays in the world, but now it's like the premier brightest. Nowhere else is that bright. And also the bioluminescent bay in Vieques is bright year round. It doesn't matter the season. It doesn't matter mm. the, the the day it can it can there can be a f complete full moon and there's still the bay is still bright. There's not a single other bioluminescent bay in the world where it's like that. Most other bioluminescent bays are seasonal. And if you even have a quarter moon, you're not going to see it because once the moon is out, it's bright. So mm. it ta it takes up the, the organisms. But so, so they're, but they're so bright in Puerto Rico that it doesn't matter when you go, you'll still see them. All right. <laughs> Miguel, did you encounter any turtles? Yeah, I, I went snorkeling in San Juan and we we got to actually swim with the sea turtles. So there's the juvenile sea turtles are pretty big. If you saw a juvenile sea turtle, you would think that it was a, a full grown sea turtle. They're, those things are humongous. But the good thing about juvenile sea turtles is because they're young, they don't know yet to be afraid of humans. So because of that, if you go out like uh, into some, some of the bays in Puerto Rico and you go out a little bit further, there's spots where these sea turtles like to feed. And because they're juvenile sea turtles, you can actually go pretty close to them and actually follow them while they're, while they're doing their rounds of feeding. And you get to just witness them be turtles. <laughs> and it, it's honestly pretty beautiful to see. Uh, you have to be really careful and swim really carefully, though, because, of course, I mean, if, if you even if you make any like too much of a disturbance, they're still going to be afraid and try to get away from you. But um, for the most part, as long as you're careful, you can you can pretty much swim with them, which is really nice. And that, that's what we did. It's beautiful. So what was your favorite moment of the trip? Oh, probably the bioluminescent bay. That was that was probably one of the coolest. Yeah. That was probably the coolest moment of like my life. The, the bioluminescent bay is completely worth everyone going to. You rode the horses too in Vieques, right? Yeah, we also rode horses in Vieques, which was also really nice. So we got to see a lot of the cool beaches 
There, there's a lot of really good beaches in Vieques. One of them is the the Playa Negra, which is which means black beach. It's a beach that has black sand because of volcanic activity. So all of the sand is completely black. So that was really cool, and we got to ride the horses o- across there. What did your girlfriend think about the trip? Did she like meeting your family? The you know. Well, how I mean, meeting it? the family was obviously stressful, but <laughs> she liked the part where we got to go to hotels and stay in San Juan and Vieques and all that. And she did. She did a lot. Go off people in my family too. She loved my my grandfather's laugh, Papa's Aww. laugh. Yeah. What would you tell someone who is planning to take a trip to Priar? Is there something they cannot miss? Well, the bioluminescent bay, you can't miss it. The the snorkeling with the sea turtles is a pretty important experience. Like, you definitely can't miss that. You definitely want to check out the beaches in Puerto Rico, but I would I would not recommend going to any of the beaches in San Juan because they're not that great, to be completely honest with you. I mean, they're, they're great beaches compared to, like, American beaches, obviously. But in terms of the uh, the beaches that you can go to in puerto rico there's there's a lot better beaches than the ones in san juan pretty much any of the beaches in Vieques are 10 million times better than the ones in san juan and then also the beaches around arecibo are, are some of the best um and also on the south the southern part of the island those beaches are, are some of the best beaches for sure i agree with you so ma <laughs> ma you you've got a way that everyone can experience a bit of puerto rico right so what is that yeah i offer a live cooking class uh virtual cooking class called a taste of puerto rico and i teach my version of the classic piña colada what i mean by my version is because i add a little secret ingredient that a lot of piña colada a lot of people in puerto rico don't put in in their piña colada and it's just it's a combination of just awesome. So I talk about the cocktail journey, too, of the history of Piña Colada. It's like very much like Miguel said that Hilton and what's the other restaurant? Barrachina. Barrachina and Caribbean Hilton are always like, I did it better. I was the first one. This was this and this and that. Because it seems to be a story with the bartender being in one place and then going to another. But I talk a little bit about that too and how it came to be. And of course, the song, the Piña Colada song. They made Piña Colada so popular. You also teach how to make tostones. Yes. I also teach how to make tostones, which is a very popular snack in Puerto Rico. And actually, it's a very popular snack in all Latin America. I also teach how to make our very popular Puerto Rican dip called Miguel. Remember that? The frito dip? No. Or the man. mayo ketchup? The mayo ketchup. And we'll end the class with a nice QA, some salsa music, and lots of giggles. So you got to be part of the class. You can book the class at my website coquidechef.com we'll have the link on the show notes so just click on it and book a class so thanks for joining us this week on more than rice and beans if you'd like to learn more about us check out our back catalog for season one episodes and to hear what else we have in store this season make sure to subscribe to our show on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you like to listen if you enjoyed this episode please leave us a rating and review It'll help more people find this podcast. And if you're interested in learning how to cook 
Puerto Rican traditional tostones and learning how to make the perfect piña colada with my little secret recipe or secret ingredient. Sign up for our virtual experience at coquidechef.com. That's C-O-Q-U-I, thechef.com. And look for a taste of Puerto Rico course. We will see you here next time on More Than Rice and Beans. Adios. Say adios, Miguel. Bye. Bye-bye. I love ya. Ciao. Okay, me voy.